Porn Free Radio episode 123. On today's show, we're opening up the Porn Free Radio mailbag and answering your questions. Questions like, why do you say that porn addiction recovery has little to do with brain science? How does porn affect dating? How do you know when you're ready to help someone else in recovery? And what do you do to battle food addiction? All this and more on today's show. Do, 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 do. Welcome to Porn Free Radio. This is the podcast where motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn, get hope, and take action. Even if you feel lost right now or out of control, you can recover and live a meaningful life, free from shame and full of love. Now here's your host, coach, and podcaster, Matt Dobschutz. There were a few emails and connections that I had this week that I thought I would dig into on today's show because I thought it would benefit the whole audience to, to actually have a conversation about some of these questions. And we'll get into them in just a second. I want to let you know that I do have coaching spots open starting in August. So if you want to apply for coaching, go to pornfreeradio.com slash coaching. That's pornfreeradio.com dot com slash coaching take the opportunity to work one-on-one with me to build your custom recovery plan and if you've been stuck if you've had a relapse if you've just been struggling a little bit up your game all you have to do is go fill out an application there and ben our coaching coordinator ben frazier will reach out to you schedule a time for us to talk and i can explain to you what we do in coaching Uh, all the details, answer your questions, and ask you some questions about whether it would be a good fit for you. So go to pornfreeradio.com slash coaching. All right, let's get into some of these questions. Now, the first one comes from John, and he, uh, he calls me on the carpet on something that I often do. He said, why do you often say that porn addiction recovery has little to do with brain science? Let me get into the email uh, he's complimentary. He's 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 correcting me in a in a in a good way. Uh, so I'm gonna take I'm gonna take I'm not gonna feel rejected here. I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this email uh, without getting triggered. Uh, here it is. Hi Matt, I really love your show. The last episode about being laser focused on recovery was fantastic. However, uh, this is what the however this is what gets me in trouble. However, I have one question for you. There's something that you keep saying over and over in various episodes that baffles me. You often say that porn addiction recovery has little to do with brain science. On this last episode, you said finding the wound uh, that we were trying to avoid might be in conflict with some of the other things you've read about dopamine releases, etc. I'm not sure why there would be a conflict here. In my opinion, when you make comments like this, it's like hearing someone say, when your car accelerates, it has nothing to do with gasoline in the engine. It's primarily about how you press the gas pedal. Addiction and recovery is a very systematic process, systemic process. Uh, I don't even know what a systemic process is, but I'm going to keep reading here. No one piece of the puzzle stands alone as the only component that's important. All of it's important. Attachment wounds, trauma, unmet needs, medicating pain, all have biological process. Understanding the process, while not being the only important part of recovery, can be very helpful for someone struggling. 
just like someone who wants to be really good at working on or operating cars will benefit from understanding the inner workings of the engine, drivetrain, etc. Someone who wants to become proficient in addiction recovery will do well to understand all of the processes involved, including dopamine releases, etc. I think brain science supports practical, the practical pragmatic approach to overcoming porn addiction you teach on your podcasts. As we learn more about the brain, it is enhancing and expanding our conception of addiction recovery. It doesn't inhibit or distract from it. And he says a great example can be found in Alexandra Katahakis's new book, Sex Addiction as Affect Dysregulation. Uh, definitely worth the time, though it's not an easy read. I bet with a title like that, it's not an easy read. Uh, okay, that was me adding that in. Anyway, anyway, John finishes. Anyway, that's my two cents. I don't want to make a big deal about this, but I did feel like it was worth mentioning since it comes up frequently. Keep up the great work. I think your podcasts are wonderful. Well, John, thanks so much for your email. And uh, you know, I responded to you personally, but I just thought it'd be worth talking about here and clarifying some of my feelings about this subject. So, uh, you know, I am going to baffle you once again uh, with my opinion here. I totally agree with your email. I love the way that you described it, um, that the brain science you know, how we respond biologically, what's going on in our brain with dopamine, that fits into this discussion of porn addiction. And it's an important piece. And, um, and that it fits in with all the other things, uh, you know, specifically I talk about on Porn for Radio, a lot of things I focus on, like emotional triggers or trauma or, you know, where's the wound, like we talked about last week. I totally agree with you that that it doesn't uh, it's not one or the other that they work together. Now, here is my challenge on this podcast. A lot of people come to this podcast after spending a few hours on your brain on porn, the website, uh, reading Gary Wilson's work or just spending time on Reddit or forums. And there's a lot of anecdotal discussion about the brain. And I've had people come to me and say, my brain is broken. I've had people come to me and say, oh, you don't understand, Matt. The neurotransmitters in my brain are doing this and that. And they're, they're kind of describing some sort of, you know, anecdotal brain science. And the thing about it is, is, um, I, I totally agree with you that it, that one, any one thing is not the only thing. So it concerns me when guys, when their primary framework of recovery has to do with brain and brain science, specifically the sort of popular brain science that's on the internet. It's a very narrow view of addiction. Uh, I mean, a guy will lecture me about neurotransmitters and his brain, and then I'll say, well, tell me about some of the the pain in your life, or tell me about some of the emotions, and he'll be shut down to his emotions. He won't have any connection with his emotions or relationships. He also looks at this thing as sort of a physical problem, like is something wrong with his brain? 
And he doesn't see it as a relational or an intimacy problem. He doesn't see it as a problem related to not getting needs met. And so it's very narrow. Now, I have the same problem with conservative religious guys who listen. Now, I'm a conservative religious guy in my own right. Uh, but I've come to realize that this isn't just a sin and lust issue. There are, there's a whole bunch of things going on. There's a need for self-care. There's brain science. There's other things that are affecting why we keep going back to porn. It's not just a moral failure. It's not just that we have bad lust control. And that can be part of it, but it's not the whole thing. So to extend on your metaphor, John, a lot of times people come to me and they're telling me that they have car trouble and it's all about the gasoline. It's like either they don't have the right gasoline, they don't have enough gasoline, or they have too much, right? It's all about dopamine or it's all about this one way of looking at porn addiction. And they're not looking at the other parts of the car. They're not looking about, hey, do you need the oil changed? Hey, do you need uh, do you need your tires rotated? Uh, do you need... Uh, um, I don't know. Do you need a car wash? Whatever. You know, there's, there's other aspects when we holistically uh, look at porn addiction recovery that need to be in, taken into account. It's not just the gasoline. Uh, so, you know, I, I listened to Gary Wilson once, uh, you know, who founded your brain on porn.com. I, I heard him once uh, on a podcast and I've mentioned this and he talked about his, you know, his Ted talk that has 5 billion views um, and I'm not saying that in a jealous way. I think it's a great Ted talk. It's one of the first things I would recommend you watch. Uh, but he talks about the great porn experiment and he talks about guys actually choosing to go porn free, just like we're talking about on the podcast. But at the end of the interview, the interviewer said, well, Gary, I get that porn is harmful and that our brains do this stuff. You know, could you, could you give us some advice about how to recover? And Gary's answer was, Hey, uh, well, here's what I'd recommend. Just try and abstain for 30 days and see what happens. That was the extent of his response. And I know he, I know he doesn't, um, you know, I know he's not like flippantly saying that, but like he didn't have steps to recovery. He's a researcher. He's looking at patterns. Um, he's not creating tools and things to help guys get out of this. He's just basically observing what's happening. And so he didn't have much to say. And now if, if you've struggled with porn, and I assume you have if you're listening to this podcast, you know that just deciding to go 30 days is really difficult. It's really hard to just go, I'm just going to not look at porn for 30 days and see what happens. Usually it takes a lot more work than that. And here's the other thing. Even if you could s stop on a dime and say, hey, I'm not going to look at porn. I'm going to do the Gary Wilson plan. You get to the end of 30 days, it doesn't fix any of the underlying problems. Just stopping, just abstaining does not fix this pattern. It's much bigger. It's much more holistic. Uh, this issue, a lot of us uh, discovered porn as kids. A lot of us used porn to survive growing up and, and you know, to, to protect ourselves. There's tons of, of ways that it's been a part of us, not just biologically, but emotionally and spiritually. So that's why I often say 
that porn addiction recovery has little to do with brain science. Do you hear that? Porn addiction recovery. I'm not talking about porn addiction. I'm not talking about the pattern that addicts have with dopamine and pleasure arousal addiction. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the road to recovery, actually walking out of it. And, um, you know, and I, this book that, uh, that John mentions, I haven't read it. I looked at the the description of it in, in, um, uh, in Amazon and it, and it looks interesting. It's a, it's a, it's a academic book. I mean, it's probably for other therapists and other uh, experts to read. Uh, to help clients. I think there's probably good content in there, but you could spend a lot of time as someone struggling with porn, fooling yourself by doing research, meaning reading about studies, reading about the brain and not doing, not taking any of the actions you need to recover. And so that's what I try to do here. Now, if it sounds like I'm bagging or throwing brain science under the bus, Sometimes I am, I, the, you know, and, and it comes out of my own experience. I, you know, there were no dopamine studies when I got in recovery and, and I, and I obviously had the spiritual framework. I had plenty of the temptation and lust framework growing up, but the things that helped the tools learning about my mistaken beliefs, like that I was unlovable you know, learning new habits, that was the thing that helped me get out of it. Now, there is one great use for brain science, and this is why I recommend watching the Gary Wilson talk to begin with, is it, at its best, brain science defines a pattern that's biological, which reduces shame. Because when when you realize that there's a process going on, there's there's reasons, physical reasons, some of this addiction is there, it takes away some of the shame, right? It's not just a moral failure. It's not just a discipline weakness that we have, or we're, you know, we just, we just are um, bad with discipline, or we're too horny, or we're hypersexual. It actually shows, um, you know, some of the brain science shows that, that we get stuck in these uh, patterns with porn, partly because of the biology and some of the things that are going on with us. So that's where I, I really um, think it's helpful. And I told John I was working on a podcast, or not a podcast, I'm working on a blog post about how to stop watching porn. And it's going to have all the steps you need to stop watching porn. I'm going to try to put it into one blog post. It's going to be epic. Uh, but chapter one of the blog post uh, is going to be linking to Gary Wilson's great porn experiment uh, video on it's a Ted talk on, on YouTube. And uh, I, I love starting there as a starting point, but let's not end there. Let that's not the end. That's the very beginning. Uh, so anyway, when I publish that blog post, I'll definitely tell everybody about it. And, uh, and when, um, and John, I really appreciate your feedback. I know you've, you've written in before and, uh, you know, John is, I'm not going to uh, break his uh, confidentiality, but he, he works in, in a profession that helps people. Um, and, uh, and so John, I, I commend you on what you're doing and the work that you're doing. And thanks for being an ally, uh, for the show. And thanks for continuing to, to give me feedback. I, I love it. I like getting feedback, especially when it challenges, 
uh, something. Because, you know, I sit behind the microphone. I didn't write this out today, right? So I'm not immune to saying something that's maybe off the wall or maybe contradicting myself. So feel free to continue to uh, give me feedback. All right, well, let's get to, wow, how many, what have we gone, 15 minutes on that question? Wow, woo, I didn't know I had that much to say. Need to play a little more Rain Wolf. I'm, I'm getting excited here. Okay, let's get to the next one here. Wanted to talk about, uh, answer this question. This comes from Eric. How do you know when you're ready to help someone else in recovery? Now, I got this uh, through Facebook, and he said, uh, I've been in a 12-step program for a year and a half, and I just got to 60 days of sobriety. Congratulations. Uh, my sponsor, who's been with me for the majority of my time in program, thought I was ready to take my recovery to the next level. He suggested I become a sponsor myself. This shocked me. My initial response was that maybe I should have some more sobriety before I start even thinking that way. He says that I've gotten a good hold on the steps and learned how to practice them in times of crisis. I've been pretty good with checking in with him and other guys in the program. He made a good point that being involved in someone else's recovery is critical to furtherance of my own. I want to see other men and women walking in freedom from this addiction as bad as I want it for myself. Truthfully, I'm afraid that I may have a slip soon and that would be a bad testimony for whoever I help. I don't want to be a stumbling block for anybody else in recovery. So Eric, that is a great uh, question. I love that you're thinking this. And I am with your sponsor here. I think that you're at 60 days. You've been working the program. You've already demonstrated that you can do outreach calls and stay connected. And so I agree that this is a good time to start moving in towards potentially being a sponsor. I don't know what step you're on, uh, but a lot of times guys get to step three or four, maybe five, and it's t- it's you're available to help someone get through step one uh, to go back a little bit. So I love that idea. And I don't say that cavalierly. I, I mean, this is one of the biggest things that helped me starting a group of my own and helping people was, was like a huge step forward in my recovery. Uh, I went through a recovery program, had some, had some movement, had some sobriety. And then that program ended. And for about a year, I kind of went a little sideways. I, I might've slipped or edged a little bit in there. Um, but I wasn't growing. And, and it wasn't until I started helping others that I started really growing and really starting to understand stuff. And so, you know, I talk about some of my breakthroughs, like, you know, one of my breakthroughs was this feeling of unlovable that I uncovered. I, I uncovered that two years after I started a group. So it's not like I learned all this stuff about myself and then did a group. No, I started doing a group. And as I did a group, all of these new revelations started coming up. Oh, I felt this mistaken belief that I was unlovable or, oh, I didn't realize that this happened with mom and dad growing up and this was one of the reasons that I got into addiction. I didn't know all those things, but leading and helping others helped me understand myself. So here's my advice uh, for you, Eric. I, I love this quote, start before you're ready. I got that from Stephen Pressfield who wrote uh, The War of Art. And uh, 
what that means to me is a lot of times we're ready before we realize we're ready. We're ready to start. Now we're not going to be perfect and you know, it's going to be a little bumpy at first, but it's worth starting. I mean, that's why I quote GK Chesterton a lot. Anything worth doing is worth doing badly. But here's the thing. You're already doing some of the stuff. You're already helping others and connecting. So, so committing more to someone to help them one-on-one, I think is going to help you get to the next level. And I know, I understand the fear about being a stumbling block and you know, it would be a bad testimony if you lost your sobriety. So here's the thing, up your game, double down on the good habits, be a good witness to your sponsee. And believe it or not, when you start helping a sponsee, you will up your game. It won't just be about you. You will think about them. You know, if you're home alone on Friday night and you're feeling tempted, but you have a sponsee meeting on Saturday morning, believe me, you're going to think twice about edging. You're going to think twice about unsound activity. It's, it's true. It's the result of helping someone else. You start thinking about Hey, what is this? What is this selfish choice? How does this impact me? How does this impact the other people I'm helping? You know, I still have that with with porn free radio. You know, I had a really strong sort of impulse the other day, or not an impulse, sort of a entertained a thought about pornography, and I thought, man, I cannot open this box. I got a lot of people counting on me, and it's not. I'm. It's not. You know, I'm not taking on responsibility that's not mine. I'm not. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to save the world here, but, but for my recovery, I need to keep doing what I'm preaching. I need to keep pressing in and doing the things that keep me porn free, partly because I'm helping others. So double down and, you know, having a sponsee will raise the stakes for you, but you're going to get a lot out of it. The other thing that it does when you work with someone else, you remember where you were at and you see how far you've come. So Eric, I think you still think of yourself as new to this. And I've seen some posts that you've made and some reach out things that you've uh, written on our, on our private Facebook group. And, and uh, you know, I know that there's some recovery there. I know you've been battling. So you have stuff to give. You have stuff to give people coming up behind, people who have just discovered that they have a problem. You have a lot to give them. So don't hold back. Uh, don't let fear keep you from from pressing in, do it and, and up your game. And Hey, here's the thing. If you become a sponsor and it becomes too much to manage, you're not ready. It'll become clear. Keep working with your sponsor. And you know, if you have to tell a sponsor, Hey, I'm not in a good place. You need to find someone stronger. Is that a hard conversation? Yeah. But is it, is it the worst thing in the world? No, it's not. It's just admitting weakness. It's just being honest. And just like if I was doing this podcast and all of a sudden had a big relapse or something happened where I needed to focus on my own recovery, that's what I would say, guys. Hey, I'm going to take a break. I need to focus on my recovery right now. And it's okay if you're a sponsor and you have a hard time. Um, and if you need to say, you know, if you need to, to say, hey, I can't sponsor right now, that's fine. But don't let that keep you, that that potential keep you from stepping into it. 
So good luck and thanks for the email, Eric, and thanks for your support uh, through the years. I've gotten emails from you and, and connected with you in the past, so I really appreciate it. All right. Let's see. What's the next one? Uh, all right. Uh, this is a question that comes from uh, comes from Alex. Alex writes, specifically, he wants some me to talk about commitment issues for single guys who struggle with porn uh, when it comes to dating. So let me, uh, let me get into this email. Uh, before getting into uh, a little bit about my story, I have a couple questions. Could you talk about commitment issues for singles and the effect that pornography addiction has in seeking a partner? I'm a 34-year-old single male and have struggled with pornography and masturbation addiction since age 16. Although I've been in a number of good relationships, I can't seem to commit to them and eventually grow tired and break up. How does PMO play a part in that? How does one find healing to be able to stay in a relationship? I long for nothing more than to love and be married, but seem to hit a wall every time. So that was the first part. Then he's got a second question here. Also, I'm a big guy and I've struggled with weight my whole life. I've currently lost 59 pounds in approximately six months, but still see weight as a huge shame trigger for me. What do you do to battle food addiction? I've realized a lot that my food behaviors have similarities to my porn behaviors, such as binging, hiding food, hiding food, lying to friends and family about food, feeling shame after eating, etc. I know you've mentioned being in a 12-step program for eating, but do you have any other resources on how to start a plan on eating addiction? Uh, to end on a positive note, today marks 122 days since my last PMO act out, PMO, porn, masturbation, orgasm. Uh, I was literally at my wit's end and I've been praying for God's help when I encountered your podcast. It has made all the difference and now I have a lot of my confidence back and feel like I'm becoming more of an integral man. Thank you for all that you do. You're truly doing God's work. Well, thank you, Alex. All right, you got a lot of questions here. Let me dig into them. All right, so the first question about can I talk about the commitment issues for singles and the effect porn pornography addiction has in seeking a partner? Well, it's really simple. Um, it has a, a really devastating effect on us uh, because porn is an addiction that we cultivate uh, in isolation and it's a self-dependence that we have. Uh, it's a dependence on the porn, but it's also a self-dependence uh, with masturbation and with sort of private fantasy. It really leads us away from intimacy and leads us away from positive connection. Now, this can happen on your side of marriage, being single, or on the other side of marriage, too. Pornography rots uh, intimacy in marriage uh, because we're pulling away. Uh, we're almost like sexual anorexics. We pull away from meaningful intimacy and connection with our wife and move towards the porn. The same pattern happens in a courtship relationship or a dating relationship. If you're, say, courting a girl or dating her, or whatever they call it now today, you know, go, you know, going on group dates or whatever, 
you know, sending her Snapchats. I don't know what guys do in dating today, but let's say that you're interested in a girl and you're starting to have feelings for her. If you're going back to your apartment after you drop her off at night and binging on porn, what's happening is you're approaching her and you're moving towards her, you're moving towards intimacy and connection. And then the moment you get home alone, you withdraw into your private world, your private fantasy world, your private porn world, which is an isolating behavior. And that goes right in the face. It goes right against uh, your uh, connection and intimacy with her. And so I think it's a big obstacle. So the good news for you, I love the fact that you're at 122 days. You're um, already demonstrating uh, that you're closing uh, that sort of retreat into yourself. You're kind of taking that off the table. So you're in a great position to be present and to be connected, trying to connect with someone. So, I mean, so the effect is that when we're in the pornography, we can't meaningfully attach and connect with someone else, I don't think. Um, I mean, we might we might be able to get into a relationship, but the intimacy and the presence that's required to really develop a strong relationship, one that could turn into marriage, I think is really hard. And I think that's why you've had these places where you've gotten up to you know, maybe going to a deeper level or going up and you've walked away. Uh, you've broken up because you weren't able, you didn't have the capacity to connect and to go to that deeper level. So whether you're coming uh, to single life, you know, as a young guy or whether you're divorced and you're potentially thinking about dating again or maybe you've never been married, dealing with porn is going to be really important. You know, C.S. Lewis talked about masturbation once, and I don't have the quote in front of me, but, you know, he basically said no real lover um, could compete with the harem in your mind. Um, and I'm paraphrasing, but he basically was saying no woman could ever live up uh, to your uh, intense fantasy world if you're cultivating uh, that, that isolation that comes from fantasy, masturbation, and pornography. And so I think that's the truth. No real woman can compete with that. And, and when we get dependent on taking care of our own needs, uh, our own sort of private satisfaction, uh, we're not available to anybody else. So keep working on it. And that's part of the way you find healing. Now, I think you need some other resources too. I mean, it might be worth talking to a therapist uh, about, you know, getting some healing around some of the things that you've done, like whether it's mistaken beliefs or whether it's withdrawing into yourself, what are some of the things that are blocking you from true intimacy? Uh, it might not just be the porn. Uh, there might be an underlying thing. Like for me, I felt unlovable. So I'll tell you the truth. When I started my relationship with my wife, I kept waiting for her to reject me. And I almost was codependent uh, in the sense that I really wanted her affirmation so badly, I would have done anything for her. Uh, not out of a out of a selfless love, but out of a selfish need for affirmation. Uh, so you know, uh, I could I would have benefited from processing some of that with someone who could help me 
uh, sort that out when I was dating. It would have probably solved me, solved a lot of problems uh, that I had early on in my relationship. I really, one of the reasons I think I struggled with porn at the beginning of my marriage was I was not good at dealing with the feelings and the intimacy uh, that it required to be married. Uh, so I, I would have benefited from some of that. All right, let's get into your second question. And man, this one's a tough one. You're a big guy and you asked me, what do I do to battle food addiction? Now, the reason why this is tough is I've struggled the last couple years with food addiction. I have been in a 12-step program uh, for several years, uh, but two years ago, I had some, some, or two years ago, uh, you know, there was some stuff that happened in my personal life um, or my corporate life, getting laid off from my job uh, that made uh, recovery difficult. And I actually struggled with a relapse, a, a, a prolonged relapse over several months uh, where, you know, there were sometimes I could kind of get things going again, uh, but I was struggling with relapse. And I mentioned a couple things last week. I struggle with quick serve food. I struggle with uh, soda and, uh, you know, fried food. There's a couple other things that are kind of trigger foods and trigger behaviors for me. And so I'm, I'm right at the beginning of this. I do not feel qualified to do uh, a, a show on food addiction by any means. Um, this has been a lifelong struggle with me. It's, it's kind of gone hand in hand with porn, just like you described. Uh, but I'll tell you a couple of things that are helping me. So one thing is that I got a sponsor and I actually got him this week. And so I've had a sponsor in the past and because of some circumstances, uh, I wasn't working with a sponsor. And so uh, one of the first things they say in the program I'm in is get a sponsor. You have to get a sponsor. You have to be working with a sponsor. And so it took me a while to find someone who I uh, wanted what they wa what they had, and uh, it worked out that that he could sponsor me. And so I actually uh, asked a sponsor to sponsor me. And and so right then, you know, that was a big step because it felt like okay, someone else. I'm bringing someone else into this struggle that I've been having. And um, and so he uh, basically gave me two pieces of advice or, you know, and you know, when you old school way of dealing with the sponsor, you know, old school, uh, 12 step is, you know, you do whatever your sponsor says. So he's a nice guy. And he said, you know, he basically said, I want you to work a food plan. Now in the program I'm in, people usually go to a nutritionist and they get a food plan, not a diet. They get a food plan. Um, where the, the nutritionist figures out what's important for them to eat and how to eat and um, takes out any foods that are potentially trigger foods and puts together a food plan based on what the requirements are. And, and basically, you know, in order to be abstinent or, in, you know, like we're porn free and in order to be abstinent in my program, you have to follow your food plan and kind of basically do what you say you're going to do around food. So um, that was the first thing he said, you know, I want you to be on your food plan. And second, and, and the second thing he said was, I want you to be connecting with someone in program every day. Um, so those are the kind of the two non-negotiables that he had. 
And, you know, the second one was probably the toughest one for me. I've been on a food plan before. I, I mean, when I first started Porn for Radio, I was a plant-based vegan and I ate very disciplined. Um, and uh, so I know how to follow a food plan. But the second one was the tough one. I, I struggle with calling, making calls. I know I talk about it here on Porn for Radio a lot, but it's, it's still a struggle for me. And he not only said, not only, you know, do I want you calling people? I want you calling someone every day. I want you connecting every day with someone in program. So that's what I'm doing to walk it out right now. And I've had, I guess about, I guess I'm on my sixth day of abstinence. So I've followed my food plan and been connecting with people for the last six days. So that's where I'm at right now. Uh, it's pretty early July, 2017. Um, I don't feel like that's something I'm really excited, real, you know, I'm not shouting from the rooftops, but I am happy that I'm working with a sponsor, that I have a plan and I'm moving forward. So that's kind of what I, so I would recommend uh, looking into what, what types of programs are in your area, if there's any uh, that are related to food. Um, I don't want to specifically mention the, the program I'm in. Um, and I'll tell you the reason why I don't want to break anonymity. I don't speak for the program. It's not, um, I'm not a spokesman. And so, um, but you can probably deduce what it is, uh, if you look for a 12 step group related to food. So find, you know, Google what's in your area and, um, get a sponsor and get a food plan. And that's how you start. Now there's other stuff in there. There's recovery, there's spiritual life, um, taking the steps. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Uh, one thing I'll, I'm going to finish on, um, I'm going to finish a, uh, on a story and it happened this weekend. Now I mentioned last week that, you know, I needed to take an action and call someone uh, related to food. And I talked about it in, in episode 122. Well, I went to a 12-step group on Saturday. It's a group I normally go to. It's my home group. And we had a speaker. And I'm just going to say one thing about the speaker that's that was just, you know, I don't want to break into anonymity, but, but this is an amazing little thing. And so I'm going to just share one detail. Um, the speaker got into recovery at age 57. And the speaker had been abstinent in program for 32 years. So do the math on that one. Uh, this person was, I think, 88 and a half. So anyway, after the meeting, uh, she came up to me. We were at a coffee shop and we were talking. And she said, have you been abstinent today? And I said, yes, I had been. And, but she was saying, you know, do you have a sponsor? I said, I don't have a sponsor yet. And she said, okay, can you be abstinent today? Meaning, can you eat your food plan today? I said, yes. She goes, will you commit to calling me tomorrow? And I said, sure, I can do that. She goes, no, I don't want you to commit to be abstinent today. I want you to commit to calling me tomorrow to tell me whether you were abstinent or whether you relapsed. So the commitment wasn't to be abstinent. The commitment was to call. 
And I said, I can do that. And she goes, now here's the truth. You're not going to want to call an 88-year-old woman tomorrow and say that you relapsed. So I know that, but your commitment is to call either way. So can you commit to that? I said, sure. So I went through the rest of the, the day abstinent. I followed my food plan. And the next morning I called, uh, I called this, this woman and, uh, and she, I got her voicemail and then she called back and left a message and she said, thank you for following through on your commitment. And she goes, I would, I'd appreciate it if you could commit to do it again tomorrow. And I'd be willing to take your phone call until you get a sponsor. So I did it again on Sunday and I actually had some challenges. I had a, there was a party I went to, there were trigger foods, there were things that were outside of my plan and I stayed absent again, Caught, made the call on Monday. Monday night I went to a meeting, got connected with the sponsor and then by Wednesday morning, I had met the sponsor and had started working with him. And so I checked in for those couple of days. Um, and so that's, that's how I moved forward. Uh, it was basically through the intervention of this, this speaker. So I'm going to finish on this story. And I want to give you the same challenge that the speaker challenged me with. Here's the thing, no matter when you're listening to this podcast, whether it's in the future, whether it's in the morning, midday, I want you to ask yourself, can you be porn free for the rest of today until tomorrow morning? And I think the answer is you can be, you know, there's, there's a good chance you can be porn free. You can, you can do tonight. There's some things, steps you can take to avoid threats. There's some uh, some tools you can use. You could probably get through tonight. So, no matter when you're listening to this episode, would you commit to texting or emailing me the next morning to tell me whether you relapsed or whether you stayed porn free? Would you commit to texting or emailing me? So the email you can use is matt at pornfreeradio.com. Matt at pornfreeradio.com. And if you want to text me, you can text me at 847-920-4673. That's 847-920-4673. Seven, three. Now, if you send an email, put in the subject 123, 123. That's the, that's the episode. And just try it. I commit to contact Matt tomorrow and let him know whether I stayed porn free today. No matter if I stayed porn free or whether I relapsed. Simple as that. Once again, 847-920-4673. Or if you email me, email me matt at pornfreeradio.com with the subject 123. So take me up on that. Try it. See if you can stay porn free tonight by committing 
to reaching out tomorrow. Love answering your questions. As always, you can send me an email at matt at pornfreeradio.com. Let me know anything you want me to keep private in case I want to read your letter on the air like John, Alex, and Eric's letter today. All right, guys, take hope, take action, and we'll see you next week. Be good. Thanks for listening to Porn Free Radio at pornfreeradio.com. To work with Matt one-on-one, go to pornfreeradio.com forward slash coaching and help us get the word out by subscribing to Porn Free Radio in iTunes and leaving a rating and review.